Craft Beer Radio, episode 75, April 12, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is Jeff Bear. This week on episode 75, we decided to do something a little bit special. We, we grabbed some stuff from the cellar that we thought would be a little bit different, a little bit fun. Now, we'll be straight with you. We're recording, and we have a show in the can already, which I haven't edited. So we're, uh, we'll do some news and whatnot and try to keep it topical, but not much user feedback this week since yeah. they haven't fed back from last week yet. <laughs> well, I didn't get, there were a couple emails that I didn't uh, pick up last week, so okay. we'll also cover those. And some news with Z, as I put on here. This is Chateau Jiahu, which is a 9,000-year-old recipe from China. From made Dog by, Shed. Yes, made by Dog Shed. Um, we talked a little bit about this beer when it came out. Dog Shed has done a couple of these beers where they've worked with universities, and they found this pottery or something that used to hold liquid, and they've done this spectral analysis on the residue, and somehow made a beer recipe out of it. Right. I mean... One of the things that we talked about before is that it's it's if you took the bare basic recipe you got from there I'm sure, and tried it out, it probably tastes pretty nasty. So they did work on it to make it so it's a reasonably. Yeah, I'm sure there's some artistic liberties. Yeah. So this Shatayu Jaihu, some of the uh, components or ingredients, if you will, it's a malt beverage brewed with honey, hawthorn, fruit, and fermented with grape concentrate. And I thought there was chrysanthemum flowers in here too, but it doesn't say it on the label. And if you smell it, it smells pretty meaty, oh. and it's got kind of a meaty look to it. It's a, it's an orange, looking kind of looks like an orange blossom color, with a little bit of fogginess in it, and just about a finger's worth of head. Well, Jeff has a little bit more, but I guess he poured it later. Mine's a little bit cloudier too. It's yeah. closer to the bottom of the bottle. I'm sure it's uh, it's bottle conditioned. There is there's no hops in here, right? They didn't have hops in in China, I imagine. Yeah, most likely not. No hops, right? So the aroma on this thing, uh, when I first had it, I thought it smelled a bit like a, a wit beer. And the more I smell it, and Greg mentioned it already, that it has a bit of a meat aroma to it because of the fermented honey. certainly has that meat aroma. And how would you describe the meat aroma? I was trying to describe this to someone earlier today, and it seems to me fermented honey kind of has... It's almost mintier wintergreen, but not really mintier wintergreen. Um, yeah, I mean, you can, when you can only describe aromas on <laughs> on the scale of other aromas, right? Yeah. You can, there's no language for aromas necessarily. Well, we've tried. I mean, we've called things dark or light. Right. We've used all kinds of other metaphors for it. I see where you're getting the kind of minty, you know, without having the, the sharpness of mint or the kind of the tanginess of mint, there's a little bit of the effervescence of mint in it. That's a good way to say. put it. So it's like, yeah, it's like one of the components you taste in mint. I get a lot in fermented honey beverages. Uh, and there's also kind of a, a, a darker, um, somewhat fruity aroma that, that's going along with that. Yeah, this thing tastes like a Belgian beer on crack. I mean, there's just so much estery flavor in here. The yeast just seems to be adding so much character to it. it just there's like, definitely a tannic quality to it, too. Those grapes add uh, an interesting sort of wine-like component to the beer. Mm-hmm. How'd you like that? Belgian beer on crack. Belgian, <laughs> Belgian on crack. beer on crack. I like anything on crack. 
You know, we didn't talk about it in the pre-show. Imus. We'll have to talk about it in the post-show. <laughs> I just That's, heard on the way he, home that he got yeah. his radio show canceled. Though. Was he ever a big deal anyway? Like he was a big enough deal that people talked about him and like people went on his show. But that's neither here nor there. I have my own little uh, theory about how he could have avoided this. We'll talk about that in the post. Okay. So, yeah, this is a very interesting beer. It is not bland by any means. It is a mouthful of different flavors. Now, we should note, I think the only way you can get this is in the uh, 22-ounce bomber, right? Uh, Yeah, it's 750, actually. 750 milliliter. Um, So, get ready. I mean, this is a... It's a... It feels like it's a big beer. It feels like it's around 7%. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. I don't know if it's inscribed here with the alcohol content. But this is also not something you're going to be drinking, like, for loving the drinkability of it. It's It's got kind of a... It's, it's really different. It's mm-hmm. something that was interesting to try, but... Don't go for it if you just want something that you can down and you know, have you know enjoy on a summer day or something like that. There, I mean, a lot of these beers are falling into the same vein. They, this, remember the red and white that we had, that wit beer with Pinot Noir right. juice and barrels, black and blue. It's going to be another similar beer. Um, all very whiny, Belgian-y type versions of beer. It's it's. I don't want to say upsetting because it's it's, it's great. It's great that. So much experimentation is going on with beer. Right. It's great that we're getting so many different things. It's kind of – I wish that there would be more experimentation with the low-alcohol drinkable stuff. But then again, maybe people just feel that it all kind of melds together. Yeah, but if this was a, yet another hoppy experimental beer, you'd be saying you wish it wasn't hoppy and yeah. be happy that it was what you're tasting No, right I mean now. like I say, I, I, you know, I have to meter myself here because mm-hmm. I do like – I've gone on record several times. I like having drinkable, lower alcohol beers. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. At the same time, I love that Dogfish Head is willing to do something like this, and just they're willing to go out and, and go crazy and, and offer this off on a commercial level. Well, it's nice because you know they're they kind of have that safety net, right? They're you know people hear that they're making Shatsu Jaihu, red and white, black and blue. They can make a medium size or a large batch of it. They know it'll sell out, right? right? No matter what it is, it's going to sell out because of their dogfish head. So that's kind of nice. It gives you a lot of flexibility to put out weird stuff because you know people are going to buy it to try it. And that being said, I think that their dogfish heads, like lower alcohol beer, like I think like Shelter, right. not really a big fan of. Yeah, not so much. I think that beer and the. A lot of people disagree with me, but I don't like the Raison d'Etre either. I think both of those could use, you know, a reworking. Uh, and it's not just because they're low alcohol. There's lots of low alcohol. Is Raison d'Etre low alcohol? Mm, it's not high alcohol. Okay. It's low to medium, somewhere in there. I mean, I still think 60 Minutes is one of the best IPAs out there. So, Sure. But that's still, you're getting 5 6% at least. I'd love to see a company just come out with a three. I mean, just go go for it, you know? <laughs> go for a small it, It's beer. really difficult to get the flavor in there. Yeah. Um, I've been drinking a couple glasses of East End Brewing's uh, Fat Gary's Brown Ale, his new year-round release. It was his, he did a session series for uh, Southern English Nut Brown, and people liked it so much he turned it into a, uh, a regular release, and that's what the, the Fat Gary's is. It's been on tap at Mad Max. And um, when I take, you know, Scott's probably listening but I'm going to have to give them how it is, right? Because I don't want to candy coat it for I don't want to sell out. Sure. The uh, If you drink it, like first beer you have of the night, it does taste a little bit light, a little bit watery. And um, 
It's not that impressive. But I found if I have a beer and then move over to the session beers so I can maintain and not get wasted, then you don't notice that it's a lower alcohol beer that doesn't have as much flavor Mm -hmm. because you've already... You know, started down you know, the path. I, I totally agree with that in the sense that when you get, even if you, like, we have to get cases here in Pennsylvania. If we get a case of a, of a beer, it's high alcohol beer, by the third, if you drink a bunch in a night, which I've been known to do occasionally, by the third one, you're not even really tasting the beer anymore. Right. And you're, you kind of want something with that same consistency, but I'd love to have, like, a three or four percenter that I could drink that I could still enjoy the flavor of, enjoy, you know, the way it's made, and like not like get myself totally blitzed. Yeah, I mean it's a good effort. Uh, you know, I, I've never tried to brew a three point two percent brown ale before, but I think it needs a little more brown caramel type uh, flavor to it. Just I think that'll bring it up a notch if you can add that. Not change the alcohol, but if you can just give a little more kick in the the caramel flavor. So it's up to you, Scott. You know, but lots of people like the beer as is, so I'm not asking them to change it. Okay, so that was Chateau Jiao G G J I A H U Jaihu. It's named after the place in China where they found the recipe. So we have one bit of news here. I want to mention really well. We got several pieces of news. I'll start off mentioning the um, Sierra Nevada has announced that they're changing their bottle caps. Yes, interesting. That it, it's it's an interesting story because you think. Changing their bottle caps. What kind of stupid marketing press release is this? But uh, Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada has been doing the research for six or seven years now. They um, they used to be all pry-offs. Mm-hmm. And then when they got a new high-speed bottling line, they switched to the twisties. Uh, I've heard because you couldn't do pry-off caps on a high-speed bottling line or something along those lines. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But they've been doing research on trying to get the best oxygen barrier on their bottled beers. So they've developed, or I don't know if they developed, but they're using a new bottle cap. Um, it's a pry-off again. They're getting rid of the twist-offs. Once all their stock's gone, no more twist-off bottles from Sierra Nevada. And everyone who's listening has, you know, examined the inside of a bottle cap, I'm sure. And they have that little rubbery ring. Right. The new one is going to be this non-PVC plastic. It's supposedly a much harder plastic. It's not used here in the United States at all, but they use it in Germany. And it seals... They, I think the article calls it a superior seal over the other kinds of bottle caps. So Sierra Nevada switching these caps probably cost a little bit more, but they're going to give them better quality in their beer. So that's pretty cool. Interesting. All about bottle caps. All about bottle caps. Who thinks how important bottle caps would be? Now, I, I said in the pre-show that when I was in Japan, and I, they might have this in other countries, they had sort of a pull-off, at least the Otaru uh, Brewery had sort of a pull-off tab with it was a it was still a, a bottle cap that you'd have to use an opener otherwise, but mm-hmm. they had a little tab that you pulled off and opened popped up like Interesting. that. Interesting. I thought those were really cool. They I guess they're more expensive. Probably are, but Japan's all about the the function, right? The, yeah, the form and not the function. I guess so. It, it was a really cool uh, way, I think, to give you a beer without having to have a, a bottle opener around, which is always a a bummer trying to find your bottle opener before you get a beer. Right. Right. And you'll absolutely need those bottle openers again for Sierra Nevada. Okay, what's next? That had so much flavor. Next is a couple sips of water. Okay. I think next will be something from Stone Brewing Company. Ooh. 
We're going to test Greg out here. Yeah, this is the Oaked Arrogant Bastard Ale. Now, long-time listeners know my opinion of Stone and Arrogant Bastards. There's no point in repeating it. I'm just going to give it my best here. See what uh, you can do. Now, um, take their label to heart. The label says you probably won't like this beer. (laughs) Greg probably won't like it. But I, uh, I picked a up shot. a whole case of this stuff when it came out. Uh, I plan on aging it for a while. I think it'll develop nicely, you know, over a year or two. And um, I was surprised. The price, 12, 24, 12 ounce bottles was only like 50, 55 bucks, something like that, which is not a bad price for Arrogant Bastard. This is from Stone Brewing Company. Where are they located? San Diego. San Diego, California. You well, here's interesting on the label. It's uh, made with American oak wood chips, so it's not necessarily aged in oak casks. It's not an oak cast or bourbon cast or anything like that. So this is, let's see, the, it looks kind of almost brown ale-ish from the look of it. It's got kind of a, a dark tannish look to it with about a finger's worth of head. Yeah, a little bit of orangey red in there. Very intense hop aroma. Intense and um, quite sticky smelling. Yeah, there's some more hops in there. I'm getting a bit of oak, and that's kind of why one of the reasons I'm excited about aging this beer for a couple of years. The hops are going to fade out, and the oak's going to come in. It's going to be more of an old ale, barley, you know, barley wine type right. flavor once the hops fade, and the bitterness will decrease slightly. And I think it'll with a couple of years on this thing, it'll be a nice beer. But I also enjoy it fresh. I was telling Greg, um, I don't know, it was a couple months ago. I was down here editing the show, drinking a smoked bastard, and uh, SH Greg, I'm like, I'm having this arrogant bastard. You won't believe it. Man, this thing tastes so good tonight. <laughs> so hopefully it tastes just good tonight. Well, here it goes, down the hatch. Hops. Bitter. Very bitter, a lot of hops. Very, um, uh, how can you describe that? A very... Almost an astringent flavor because there's so much hops. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, um, a big hit, a lot, an incredible amount of bitterness in the back of your tongue. Uh, a, a slick sort of feeling. It, it tastes like, you know, like classic Chinook, like tons of just grapefruit, grainy grapefruit flavors. And honestly, with the first sip, it was really hard to pick out oak because the hops were just so overwhelming. The, the very initial uh, front taste is kind of a. It's almost almost metallic in in the sharpness of it. Okay, uh, and so I mean, this is it gives you a lot of incredibly strong, like bursting, strong uh, acidic flavors uh, going along with what is less less full than I remember. I, I think this. Um I think the dogfish head is screwing with our mouthfeel because, to me, this beer tastes a bit watery. Exactly. And Arrogant Bastard does not taste watery. And uh, last time I had smoked a couple months ago was not watery. So I'm thinking the dogfish head somehow screwing with our tongues. It's that hawthorn or something. It, it's not impossible. This is, you know, this this does have that stickiness that kind of lay on your tongue. Really, this this will stick around with you. This is... A, this is Something that you probably want to eat with. I, I'm thinking, if anything, I want to have some cracker sling to kind of bring some, some of this, the intensity of this acidicness, this acidity down. But I'm not hating it. 
Okay, that's good. Yeah, tonight, like, it's, like, I was telling the story just a moment ago. I had one the other day. It tasted perfect. It was, tonight, I'm not tasting a perfect beer. I'm tasting a beer that is just punching me in the face over and over again. <laughs> it's just bitter and harsh and you're not hating it, and I'm not loving it like I did last time I had this beer. I'm, it, I don't like how it, it's still there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't had a sip for a minute, and it's still there. It's still stuck See, on. I don't find the aftertaste that bad. I think it's, I don't know if pleasant's the right word, but being that the aftertaste is hanging around, I don't find it offensive. I don't mind the initial flavor so much. I mean, there's a really sharp acidity to it. I don't mind it that much as much as I just I, I don't like the lingering part and that really is kind of what turns me off from considering this beer one of my favorites or up there really in, in a list and, and and Stone in general has I think th- this problem where they like that lingering flavor and lots of people like it and if you like it that's mm-hmm. great this is a good beer for you I don't like the lingering strongness of it, it but does, I don't hate it it does have a bit of a flavor of the kind of astringent um, acidity you get when you're sucking on hopcone. I kind of have that all over my mouth right now, mm-hmm. just coating. Sam Adams to be brewed in the form of Rolling Rock Brewery. This is interesting for Sam us. Sam Adams number 33. No, just kidding. The, the Rolling Rock Brewery was bought by City Brewing Company, who is a company out of La Crosse, Wisconsin, who, from what I've heard, they uh, tend to brew... A lot of clear malt beverage type junk. And they also do contract brewing. Well, they're using some of their capacity to brew Sam Adams Boston Lager. Uh, so it's nice to see the good beers being made in a nearby that, brewery. That probably means it'll be a little bit cheaper for bars around here to get Boston Lager on their taps. I'm not sure how much that will affect it. Because right now the Boston Lager that we drink is brewed in Cincinnati. Right. Not that far away. And that's why I was kind of surprised to see Sam Adams was brewing in Latrobe. If they have they have a huge brewery in Cincinnati, I would assume that their next one would have been in the south or out west. I, I'm just surprised that they're using. Well, maybe it's just it's just cheap for them. It, it, I mean, capacity is, is somewhat hard to get by without buying a new brewery. And yeah. here you go, you have some room. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of regionals that have. I wonder if they're capacity. still using the glass line tanks. Oh yeah, they'll use them. But remember, when we were on the hop trip. The Budweiser guy said, "Yeah, we're still brewing Rolling Rock Glass Line tanks. Our New Jersey place, you know, back in the seventies, that was, or I guess fifties, fifties and seventies, somewhere that that was the technology, glass line tanks. Right. So yeah, lots of places have like glass line tanks. Like it changes the beer. Does it say anything about production numbers that St. Adams is going to get out of the new place? Probably not. They expect to hire about two hundred fifty workers to work at the facility when they open it." But that could be for everything, not just for the Sam Adams stuff. Yeah. There's a story that we have about Anheuser-Busch. This is from ProBrewer.com. They're doing some kind of stinky corporate tactics. To get That's kind of big brewer against big brewer, in a sense. They're, they're trying to, to steal some distributors away from InBev. Okay. And they're giving them sort of checks on their table to, not, to no longer carry InBev. And they only carry Budweiser, and it's just kind of at least that's that's the way I read about it. And it's it's just silly corporate nonsense that y- you wish companies wouldn't go through. And you think that well, if if Budweiser is doing this to Imbev, what are they doing to to the local guys? Imbev is a lot bigger. I mean, you got to spend your money where it's most effective, right? Taking out Imbev is a lot easier than taking out five hundred microbreweries, right? 
But still, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk to Doug Molman and say, what, you know, what's up here? Why are you <laughs> yeah. guys doing this predatory tactics? Why don't you just work on making good beer? Because that seems to be what you care about when you talk to the beer geeks. But, I mean, beer and marketing are two different divisions of that company. Yep. It's too bad. It is too bad. Okay, that was Arrogant Bastard. I didn't hate it. You know, I'm really not tasting much oak tonight. No, oak was really not there. And this is out of the same group of bottles I had the other day, and it was just oaky and delicious. Very strange. I can still taste it on my tongue. It's. I really, I really wish that they could formulate it with some of that flavor that comes through initially, but without having it just lay on your tongue like that. Look, there's some light arrogant bastard. <laughs> Jeff made arrogant bastard light with a little bit of uh, arrogant bastard. He poured some water into. Get rid of the last. It's basically bit. just the arrogant bastard foam right. in water, <laughs> and it poured out. Still, it was still like yellowy brown. Okay, let's. Let's try this one. Now, this is a special beer. Oh, good. This is a beer that was given to me by the brewer of the Blue Frog Brewery out in California. We stopped in. This is right after the Anheuser-Busch tour out there. This is Dry Hopped Poor Richard's Ale. So from the Brewers Association's Poor Richard's uh-huh. Ale thing last year, the Ben Franklin's 200th birthday. This is their version, Dry Hopped. He gave... Uh, we just did Poor Richard's Ale, didn't we? We did the Poor Richard or Ben Franklin's Tavern Spruce Ale. Oh, okay. Not the same thing. This was the beer that was at brew pubs all over the country last summer. So, like, the church probably had it, had it for a little bit. Rock Bottom did. I don't know if the church brewed, actually. So, okay, this is a, a, a sort of a brownish ale. Uh, it has corn and molasses in it. It doesn't so. look a lot unlike the Arrogant Bastard, actually, in terms of the color. A little bit lighter. A little bit lighter. About two fingers done. worth of head. Big head. Big head for Jeff. Two fingers worth for me. It's always going to be more on Jeff's side because he pours last. You said corn and molasses? Yeah. I got, a, I got a distinctly orange smell from Well, this. this is a dry hop version. So this is a little bit out of the box. 6.5% alcohol by volume. Bottle conditioned. From Boulevard Brewery. Right down the street from a huge Anheuser-Busch plant. I mean, there's a real... <laughs> it's, it smells really interesting. A little bit of malt, a little bit of like orange in there. Tastes really interesting. Getting nice brown ale flavor. But then there's like smoke that comes through. You taste that? A little bit, yeah. And it's like initially I'm hit with this smokiness. And that kind of wafts around. In the middle, you still get this brown ale with a little bit of hoppy bitterness coming towards the back. Very, very carbonated. Way, 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 way too much for me. I'm, I'm taking a sip, and that's all I can taste is the explosion of the carbonation on my tongue. Works for me. Hmm. I'm surprised you don't think that's excessive. I know you love it, but it is excessive in this beer. You got an email from Elliot. Elliot said this might be too late, but I was just so surprised to hear that you guys are not bombarded with responses to call for the health benefits of beer. So here's some things he read. Now I'm just going to summarize a couple of things he puts out. 
After a workout, beer helps reduce pain in two ways. First, the amount of water in beer is necessary to necessary to counteract the dehydration, and second, the presence of mineral salts and trace elements in beer, which is rich, necessary for restoring the acid-base balance. Dark beers have powerful antioxidant effects that can help prevent blood clots. Brewer's yeast is a rich source of many nutrients, including protein, most B vitamins, phosphorus, and chromium. The protein content of yeast accounts for slightly more than half its weight. According to a study in Crichton University, old folks with the highest, highest bone density consume two to four beer, beers or glasses of wine per week throughout their adult lives. Uh, stout, porter, or other hop-heavy beers can prevent calcium deposits from forming in your kidneys. Which could otherwise turn into kidney stones. That's mm-hmm. a pretty interesting one. The combination of alcohol and carbonation have been known to be great for settling your stomach. Uh, we, when we consume alcohol, it destroys our body's store of vitamin B complex. The yeast that made the alcohol that depletes the vitamin B complex replenishes the vitamin B complex. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could probably point out the things that the ways that cyanide is healthy for you <laughs> if you really <laughs> wanted to. Uh, it, it's like, yeah, th- there are some effects ultimately that beer can have one or two beers a week. That are probably good for you. Well, it seems like, you know, these studies, they all define moderate drinking differently. Right. One to two a week, up to four beers a day. Right. You know? I mean, uh, the, the, the one that, that, that finds me is the most, like, okay, the, the one that's just the most cheesy is, is the combination of alcohol and carbonation, but known to be great for settling your stomach. I mean, so is, <laughs> so is a Tums or... <laughs> Or something else is not gonna, you know, kill brain cells. I accept and the thing about brewer's yeast, you know, if you need brewer's yeast to, you know, take marmite and don't drink beer. <laughs> My point is is essentially if you're drinking beer for health reasons, you're drinking beer for the wrong reasons. That's a very good way to put it, Greg. <laughs> yeah, if you're drinking it for health. And you know I'm still not decided on, you know, if you know preaching the healthy reasons to drink beer is really uh, a valid, you know reason, you know, I think the more valid reasons to drink beer is to enjoy complex flavors. Yeah, even you know, okay, even the the effects of alcohol, right? It's a stress reliever. It's this that, but saying oh, I drink beer because it uh, helps me replenish my uh, electrolytes after a hard workout. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's see, six bottles of beer or half an ounce of Gatorade. Or, Choose. Or dark beers have powerful antioxidants. Well, you know, so does you know pomegranate. And it doesn't have any of the, the negative side effects of, of, of beer. The, the point, and I think I said this before, beer is about enjoying life, not extending it. And if it's... It's one of those things where I can accept that if you were, to, if you have a, a very narrow view and, you, and you, you you look at something with an extremely narrow view, you can probably find their health benefits or something. But you can use the same narrow view to find a hell of a lot of, of harmful effects of beer. So it, it it's just accept beer for what it is and don't try to make it into something that I think it's it's really not. But go ahead and send in your emails arguing the point if you want to. Since Greg has the microphone, he can always talk louder, though. Uh, if you want to send in... Well, I don't want to encourage... <laughs> <laughs> People yelling in microphones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we'd be happy to... Uh, we'll give you your opinion a fair... Yeah, we'll give it a fair talk. You know what? We'll talk about at the next Beer Geek Roundtable, too. Yeah, so that'd be a very good time to do it. And we've had people asking about that, so we need to schedule one of those soon. 
and we need to get the multi-brew experiment in. I think I have all the beers that are coming, so I gotta bottle mine and ship them back right. out. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to this beer, which is the Poor Richard's Ale from Blue Frog. This is a first for me, Greg, but I think I'm getting to the point where I've had all the beer I can have tonight. Really? Well, you've had three before. Yeah, I had three at dinner. So maybe we'll save the last one for the end. Yeah, I don't think we're going to finish these big bottles, and I really don't want to open that last one and, and let it go to waste. It's okay, to no, different. I totally understand. So We can do a shorter show this week. Right. So I do like the flavor on this Blue Frog, but my, my stomach is just getting so full, it's hard to enjoy. Um... So I'm taking little sips and trying to pull the flavor out. But the, the pressure on my stomach is just winning out right now. <laughs> oh, it happens sometimes. Yeah. It happens the best to us. I mean, we've had the, I've felt like this, you know, near the end of post-shows, but never in the main show. So I apologize. I'm letting my listeners down. Well, we might as well rank these three. Let me, let me try to drink this a little bit more. Okay. Soon, because okay. I still don't know where I want to place this one. While you're drinking, I'm going to uh, repeat this email from John. Well, actually, it's a post from John who said uh, our show, number 73, persuaded him. He says, I've been debating on which Pilsner I was going to purchase this month for the start of the baseball season. I was debating between Victory Prima, Stout's Pills, or Trogue Sunshine. But after listening to your show, I decided to go with Sly Fox. Wow, what a terrific Pilsner. The case I purchased didn't seem to have the overcarbonation problems you were having, and it was crystal clear. It felt so odd leaving a beer distributor that has a selection of over 800 beers with a case of cans, but they are so convenient I will now be seeking out Sly Fox and Oscar Blues. So, yeah, I mean, there you go. Another uh, big uh, big thumbs up for Sly Fox. Great After build. I got that email from John, I, I emailed the folks at Sly Fox explaining that we had the overcarbonated Cloudy Pilsner. I relayed John's story, and I figured they'd like, get a kick out of that. Email bounced back. Their email box is full. <laughs> So I don't know how to. Get, I got to call the folks at Sly Fox yeah. and tell them to check their email more than once a year. He also says on another note, why does it seem that Pennsylvania has the best pilsers in the country or world? Lots of Germans. That that well, you know, he. But let's explain his point a little bit for people who might not be in the area. The beers he mentioned is email Victory Prima Pils, right. Trogues Sunshine Pils, South Pilsner, and now Sly Fox Pils. They're within an hour of those breweries are all within an hour of each other. And those are my like favorite four pilsners. Yeah, they're just so good. Uh, I, John, my question is the same as yours. How do a brewery, you know, an hour, an hour, all four breweries, an hour, an hour and a half from each other, make your favorite four pilsners? A lot of people say because they're your local breweries. Great. Can you name like in the next five seconds an American-made pilsner? <laughs> Aside from those ones, Penn Pilsner. Okay. <laughs> um. More emoticons comes to my uh, head, but that, yeah, doesn't, that Moto, doesn't count. It's uh, an imperial. Dogfish head, imperial pills, you know, golden shower. Um, hop, talk, uh, uh, hop pocket, or... Hop pocket the, pills? The old Dominion, the uh, yeah. Trumers, or... No, what is it? It's... Um, Toppers? Trumer pill, Toppers, that's it. Toppers. And there's Trumer out of Berkeley. But, yeah, it's just like there's not Brooklyn. that many... Brooklyn Pilsner. Okay, Brooklyn. But, yeah, my favorites are the ones made in that central south part of Pennsylvania there. I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know if it's Little Pilsen or what. Correct me if I'm wrong, but good aren't, stuff. aren't the Amish uh, didn't they come from Germany? And but there's a lot of German immigrants in yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, St. Louis. True. Very true. I mean, I'd let, how much... I mean, Milwaukee's kind of overpowered by the big brewers out there, but... And and also, Victory well, is a, you know does a lot of traditional German stuff. Right. But they're not traditional German people. 
It's like they've. It's not like they're you know ninth generation German brewmasters. Neither is Trogs right. or Victory or Sly Fox Stouts. So, I mean, I was thinking of okay, Otaru has a has a Pilsner. They're a traditional German brewery in Japan. Um, how's that? I mean, again, it's not an American one. It's not American Pils. How's it's, it compare to those four that we really love? I, it's it's decent. It's not as good. Okay, I don't I don't think so. I'm I'm, I'm more a fan of of kind of the. Probably more of the Bohemian now, style. Now, to be fair, I would like to try the four Ameri- four Pennsylvania Pilsners, along with the the Trumer out of Berkeley, just to see how that stands up. That's a pretty good one. Um, it might beat some of them. I don't think it would beat all of them. But to be fair, that's it's up there. It's just not as available for us. I like the orange notes on this beer. It's uh, it's really pleasing to me. This is this is really. I this like, is a hard beer to follow up the previous two beers flavor-wise. There's a lot so? of flavor to it, but it's, it's definitely two and a half steps lighter than the other two. I, I totally disagree with you. I, okay. I, I can't. I think this is plenty. This is very flavorful. It's got a lot of you know. Well, the carbonation is helping out. I didn't lower the carbonation at all on mine. I like the the strong carbonation, but this doesn't feel watery like the arrogant pastor did a bit. Uh, it doesn't have kind of strange flavors like the dogfish head did. It doesn't stick mm. on my tongue at all. Uh, but it does give me a lot of full flavor and some really interesting off, uh, like interesting uh, other flavors with it. And I guess that uh, maybe that uh, corn and molasses is helping it just sort of you know be an easy, easy drinkable beer at the right. same time. I'm a big fan of this. This is my number one beer of the night. Um, ranking wise, hmm. I like this beer, and like I said, it's to me just flavor wise. The other two were so. Overpowering, they you know they had fists that were you know pummeling you. Right. Um, this one is flavorful, but 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 polite. I don't know if I can give it a fair ranking because I just don't want to drink beer right now. <laughs> I know it's a it's a blast. So why are you doing a beer show tonight? It's a blast for me. I don't know. <laughs> if you didn't want to do a show, you could have called off. Oh no, I wanted to do a show until I drank two and a half yeah, beers. Like, I don't want to drink beer. No, until I drank two and a half, and I'm like, oh, fool. Would you like to do the Immaculate Journey to the Wine Cellar? <laughs> <laughs> the Chateau Jaiho was, was amazing. It was crazy flavorful. Not much, not high on the drinkability list, though. Right. It was definitely a sipper, trying some of it, share it well with a lot of friends. Tonight, the Arrogant Bastard didn't taste all that great to me. I'm going to put it at the bottom. Um, I think I'm going to have to put Chateau Jaiho just above the Blue Frog. Yeah. I don't have much else to say. Just actually, you know, I I would prefer to decline from ranking tonight, but we just don't do that. So we did that. I think we did that once. Yeah. I I refused to rank, and then I realized afterwards it was kind of cheesy for me to do that. Yeah, I'm going to go. Like I said, Blue Frog is number one for me. Okay. Uh, I just I, I still enjoy like the orange flavors I'm getting from it. I, I enjoyed. I thought it was very flavorful, despite what Jeff was saying, and I think that uh, really did have a, a, a lot of good to say for it. And I'm also a big proponent of drinkability. Uh, if you have a really drinkable mm-hmm. beer, that's going to win a lot of points in my. Well, I agree with you. Point. Said uh, you know, kind of wish that I had drank it before the Dogfish Head. Just as I would have. I, I don't. I don't want to come across as. I think it's light on flavor. I just think it is having trouble following those other beers. Is where I have right. trouble with it. So. Uh, Chateau Yahoo Chateau Yahoo is next on my list. I mean, really interesting, not drinkable, but very interesting. I mean, you can drink it. It's a very good beer yeah. too. When you yeah. say, I mean, it's it's very it's really good. It's really unique. 
I love that they can do it. I I would recommend for the 750 to split it three, four, five ways. Yeah. Yeah, that at the very least it's going to last you, you know, 3 4 hours if it's just you. <laughs> and finally, Oaked Arrogant Bastard. Again, I didn't hate it. I didn't want to pour it out immediately. Mm-hmm. So there's something there. Didn't really taste much oak for a big, you know, for a big thing about being oaked. It really didn't have much oak to me. Yeah, that shocked me as well. Uh, the Yahoo might have been playing with our, our taste buds a bit. But I think it did. It made it taste watery, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really, you know, it, it's got that, that staying on your tongue, that, that stuff that sticks around, that if you like, then it's your kind of beer. If you don't like, like me, if you're more into something that's more drinkable, then it's probably going to be lower on your list as well. So that's number three for me. All right. Well, we have a bunch of travel coming up. Next week, I am in San Francisco. I'm in Florida. Greg is in Florida kind of the same time. Then Greg goes to Japan. And we have two days to do a show before I go to India. Right. So it's going to be a hectic uh, end of April and uh, most of May. But I think we'll be able to get a couple shows in there. Right. Well, at least, you know, Greg's not dropping news on you like he did beginning of the show. He's like, I got something to tell you. I can't do the show anymore. I'm like, what? The very first thing I was—I was going to say I have something to show you, and then I was going to bring out the marmite, but I didn't want to do that until until later. So I said, "I'll just say I'm not going to show you." It wasn't funny. (laughs) It was. Thank God you're here. I'm not going to do the show anymore. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all next time on Craft Beer Radio, and I will be back. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Thank you.